And I love that. I, I agree. What you just did is, is, is normal, and it's going to be more normal in this place. And, and God's going to continue to give, as you just said, prophetic words and miracles, signs and wonders, all those things. So good. So, so good. Well, we, if you guys remember, we we're not too far in the heels of Easter, and I was kind of going through the Easter story of what was going on in the Gospels, and we talked about John gave us an extra story in John 21, and Jesus restores Peter, and I've just been reading through the book of Acts and preparing for Pentecost, and so this morning I do want to look at Acts chapter 2, uh, just really quick, so I'm not going to have it up on the slide behind us, but if you want to turn your Bibles there, I'm just going to reference something. Um, but it's interesting. Um, I'm not going to hit necessarily what we normally hit for the day of Pentecost. We normally start at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Maybe we'll get there later, but I'm going to skip ahead. And um, what happens on the day of Pentecost? Yes, a mighty rushing wind comes. Yes, tongues of fire come. Yes, they begin to speak in tongues, right? But there's something else that happens on that day of Pentecost. As they go out, right, the whole city is brought to them. I heard that word magnet. Pastor Nick said magnet. There was a magnet. People were being drawn to what the Holy Spirit was doing. And it's interesting. The very, very first sermon ever preached under the new covenant, the first sermon we ever have recorded by the apostle Peter under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, right? Was a sermon that was, had been preached 800 years ago. It was an old sermon. Was it, I'll ask you this question because you probably know the answer. Was Peter preaching scripture he had studied and memorized or was Peter preaching a sermon that the Holy Spirit was inspiring him to preach? Yes. yes. And, and if I were to title this morning's message, it would be re-preach the message. Re-preach the message. Just because Joel had written something 800 years ago doesn't mean it was a dead and old word doesn't mean it was a word that was already fulfilled. It means that there was prophetic words that were fulfilled, but it had a greater fulfillment. Everything that's written in this scripture, it is a historical account. It is telling us of how God did things, but it's also a testimony of what he's about to do in your life. I, I love that it says in Revelation, it says that, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, Amen. which means what he already did, he will do again. What he did for me, he will do for you. What he did for Joel, Peter said he's doing for me. And what, I, what, what God did for Peter 2,000 years ago, I'm saying he's going to do again for me today. I'm going to re-preach Peter's message from 2,000 years ago. Does it mean it doesn't have power? No. So first, no, Acts chapter 2, let's get there. Let's, let's just read some of it. Uh, let's start in verse 14. So this is Peter's sermon starting in verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I'll stop there. It keeps going, and he quotes David in the Psalms. There's a lot more to it, but just for this morning, we're going to stop there. Kind of give you the recap, right? Peter is explaining what is going on. 
He's saying, this is that. That's kind of what re-preaching a message is. It's saying, I've studied God's word. I spent time with him. And there's things that I know to be true. And I'm waiting for them to happen in my life. So that when I see them, I can say, oh, this is that. I recognize that what God is doing today is not actually a brand new thing. It's actually an old thing that he's doing again. Some of us think we need a new word. When actually we need a word from the ancient of days. But there's a freshness on it. There's a pouring of the Holy Spirit on that word. I, I, I've had conversations with other fellow believers. And I have to remind them that the letter of the law kills. But the Spirit gives life. The reality is the devil has this memorized better than you do. When he came to tempt Adam and Eve the very first time, he used God's own words. When he tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he used scripture. The devil knows scripture. I'm not saying we shouldn't memorize it, we shouldn't study it. That's the beginning place. But to think that you just have it memorized and that you have an understanding of it sets you apart and that you're, you're, you're benign to all the attacks of the enemy, that would be foolish. The idea is I need both the word and the spirit. I need the outpouring of the spirit on his word. It's his word. It's written down, but I need a freshness on it. I need him blowing on it. I need to know what it means for me. So I, I've shared with you tons of times the testimony that I know I'm not the only one in the room, that I've spent time reading the Bible because I'm disciplining myself to spend time reading the Bible, and I spent whatever it was, 20 minutes, up to an hour. I've read the Bible, and I'm telling you, I walked away with no freshness. So I'm just letting you know, you're not alone. I've done it. I've read God's word, and I didn't have freshness on it. But there's a huge difference when I spend an hour in God's word, and it's good truths, it's good principles to live my life. I mean, Proverbs, right? It's just practical wisdom. I mean, it's good stuff. But there's times where I literally, I just read half a verse, and it's like, it's like this, the Holy Spirit is all over this, and it's relevant to everything that's going on in my life, and it's speaking life to me. That's what I'm saying. I want to re-preach the message. I want to re-preach the living word. I don't want to re-preach just an old word that was said 800 years ago just because it's written down somewhere. I want the Holy Spirit to inspire me. This is that. And I love that when I read this story, I used to think, oh, yeah, Peter's like explaining it. But if you actually look at it, all these people like a magnet are being drawn to this mighty rushing sound. They're hearing wind, but it's not really wind. It's the Holy Spirit. They're seeing tongues of fire, right? They're hearing their own language being spoken. They're hearing the praises and the wonders of God in their own language. And then Peter explains it. He says, well, Joel said in the last days, he'll pour out a spirit and there'll be prophetic words. There'll be visions. There'll be dreams. Did Joel say anything about a mighty rushing wind? Did Joel say anything about speaking in tongues? It's amazing. He didn't. But Peter is still saying, this is that. He has eyes to see. No, do you not perceive God is doing something? And that's what I'm saying. So many times I get locked into my natural way of thinking. And I'm saying, God, would you open up my understanding? Because there are mysteries in here. God has hidden the things of himself to the wise and the learned. But he reveals himself to those that have spiritual discernment. And I'm praying and believing that today God is giving us an increase of spiritual discernment. That we're not just gaining natural knowledge. We're gaining insight and, in, and 
connection with the Holy Spirit where we actually understand the mysteries of God. Paul talks about it. Man, for thousands of years, humans were trying to understand this mystery, and now it's been revealed to us. There's things that, to me, it, it, when you read stories, like I, I mentioned uh, marching around uh, the walls of Jericho. I mean, I've heard that story a thousand times since I was a kid growing up in this church. I've, I've heard the stories. There's all many, so many good things, but it's amazing how I can hear a story a thousand times, and then some mystery is unlocked. There's some new way that, I, man, I've read that story so many, I've preached it several times, and yet there's more to it. It's because the Holy Spirit is breathing on it. So I heard this, uh, Matthew 10, 7. You don't have to turn there, it's just really quick. It says this, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, as you go, preach. And I've read that because he's talking about, he's commissioning them to do all these different things, but just that one phrase, as you go, preach. Can I, can I be honest with you? I find it much easier on a, to be on a Sunday morning standing behind this pulpit with all of you that love me and honor you, honor me. It's very easy to preach. But I'm being honest with you. When I'm in the supermarket, it's a lot harder for me to preach. But God's word, Jesus is telling his disciples, as you go, preach. In other words, don't come to church to preach. Wherever you go, start preaching. Amen. Preach the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, I can't preach it all this morning and unpack everything God was telling me. But it's one of these things where the disciples, read, I mean, read the gospels. When Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven, he's not always quoting Old Testament scripture. Sometimes he does. But he's making things relevant. He's saying, oh, you farmers, you guys know how to farm? Well, let me tell you about this sower that was sowing some seed. Oh, you fishermen, let me tell you what the kingdom of God is like. Oh, you, there's children around. Let me tell you what the kingdom of God is like with these children. He's finding relevant ways to connect with people and say, this is that. So some of you, you're in this room and you're thinking, well, pastor, I'm not, a, I'm not called to be a pastor. I didn't go to Bible college. And I'm telling you, as you go, preach. I had this, this dream, a God dream, just a few days ago. I woke up in the morning and in this dream, I was with extended family members, people I see once every several years, some that I don't see for a decade. There was, it was just family members, extended family members, and some not saved. And in this dream, conversations were being had amongst all these family members about the kingdom of God. It wasn't scripture necessarily, but in my dream, I'm like, I was getting excited. These non-believers that I love and that I pray for, they're talking about the things of God. And then the dream shifted, and then I was in a car, and I was with a whole bunch of coworkers I used to work with, and it was full of all these coworkers, same thing. People that weren't believers started talking about the kingdom. I was like, ah, oh, this is that. They don't even know they're talking about the kingdom, but they're hungry and they're excited for the kingdom and they're talking about it. And it was right for me just to say, guys, what you're talking about, this is that. And then it shifted. And then I wasn't in a car anymore. Then I was in a, it wasn't this church, but I, I knew it was in a church setting. It was amongst a whole bunch of believers. And again, they weren't talking about scripture. They were just talking about what was going on in their day. And it was the kingdom of God. And I just felt so encouraged and challenged. This, this dream was not for, just for me. It was for me, but it's for all of us. The idea is not for you to get people to come to church to hear a pastor preach a sermon. That's not the end goal. The end goal is for me as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and for you to go as you preach. 
The idea is for this pastor to stop preaching behind a pulpit on Sundays only. But everywhere I go, I'm preaching the kingdom. I'm mindful. I'm so aware and I'm so in tune with the Holy Spirit that I keep seeing, oh man, this is that. This is that. That I have eyes to see that. I, I'm telling you, there's opportunities everywhere that so many times we're oblivious. And the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you, like I get so anxious and I, uh, Pastor, uh, someone was saying, sometimes they think I'm going to pull this whole pulpit in half. Because I feel like that's the Holy Spirit sometimes. He's like in my life and he's like, Ryan, ah! And then I miss it. He's like, oh, Ryan. And I don't feel like he's so mad at me and angry and like cursing me out. No, he's just like, oh man, that would have been so good. All right, I got another one for you. I got another one for you, Ryan. And like, he's not mad at me, but he's just so excited to bring the kingdom everywhere I go. And it shouldn't be hard work. It shouldn't be this idea that I'm fearful and that I don't know what to say. The idea is Peter was bold. He was bold to say, what you're seeing about tongues? You think this is all strange? You think we're drunk? Actually, this is the Holy Spirit. This is what's been prophesied for 800 years. We finally get to see it. Do you, do you not? I mean, he says this is the last. Joel said this almost 3,000 years ago. He preached for the first time in the last days. Then Peter said this 2,000 years ago in the last days. And he said, this is that. Peter believed he was in the very last days. Let me ask you, was Peter closer to Jesus' second return or are you and I closer to Jesus' second return? So if Peter said he's in the last days, you and I have every right to say we are in the last days. The very last of the last days. And he is pouring out his spirit. God is pouring out his spirit. We don't have to wait. I can't wait for revival to hit. The reality is we're already in the last days. He already has poured out his spirit. He currently is pouring out his spirit and he will continue in greater measure to continue to pour out his spirit. Let me say this. God has a sovereign will and a permissive will. Have you heard this before? God has a sovereign will, which means mankind can do nothing to change it. It's going to happen no matter what. Jesus was the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the earth. Hallelujah. Jesus was going to be crucified no matter what humans did. It was going to happen. He saw Jesus is returning. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. It does not matter what humans want to do right now. One day, every human will confess. But he has a permissive will. God's word says that his desire, his will is that none should perish. But he gives us a free will. I was just explaining this the other day to someone. Even the story of Esther. You guys are familiar with the, the kind of the popular phrase, you were born for such a time as this, right? I love that phrase. You could have been born in any time in human history, but God chose you to be alive for such a time as this. Because you're the right person for the right time. But it's interesting Mordecai, her uncle, says, Esther, you are born for such a time as this. But don't, let, don't, don't forget, if you don't rise up and if you're not obedient, God will raise someone else up to save Israel. Because there's a sovereign will. God will not allow all of Israel to be slain. He, will, he has a sovereign will. Someone will resurrect. Someone will stand in the gap. Someone will do this. But he also has a permissive will. He has chosen you. You are born for such a time as this. But you have permission to say, yeah, I'm in the last days, or no, it's for somebody else. He's going to pour his spirit on most flesh, but maybe not me. 
His sovereign will is that it will happen to all flesh, but you still have a permission to say, I'm going to receive that, or I'm going to say, well, that was for 2,000 years ago. I mean, speaking in tongues, that all was just for then, and now it's not anymore. And I'm saying, no. I mean, I don't want to get off this rabbit hole, but it's amazing. I've read some scholars that they believe that speaking in tongues was just for the early church. And then in, this, in their same study notes, they say, well, the last days is from the day of Pentecost until Jesus returns. I'm like, you're not understanding what you just said? We're in the last days. And he said, in the last days, he's going to pour out his spirit. How can you say it stopped in the early church? That's craziness. So I'm not trying to get off on that subject, but I just want you to understand, you are in the last days. And I don't, want, I don't have time to break it all down, but it says in verse 17, right? He's quoting Joel. And it says, it shall come to pass in the last days, says God. Says God. Not says Ryan. Not even says the apostle Peter. Not even the prophet Joel. Says God. In the last days, he will pour out his spirit. It's a sovereign act. You can't stop it. It's going to happen. It will happen on all flesh. You can choose to receive it. You can choose the measure you want to receive it. But it's going to happen. I mean, going back to Genesis, right? God spoke and said, let there be light. And could any force ever stop there from being light? No. He spoke it. It's going to happen. He said it. But I love this. In the last days, says God. But it says, it shall come to pass. There's something about it. It's going to come. It's already come, and it's still going to come. What? What's going to come? What is it? What is it that shall pass? I will pour out my spirit. And I love he explains it. What does it look like for God to pour out his spirit in all flesh? Joel explains it for us. Peter's explaining this is that. But scripture is telling you this is what it looks like when he pours out his spirit. Number one, that people prophesy. You heard that here this morning. People that came from around the world to be with us today, they prophesied. This is supposed to happen. This is supposed to be normal. This is supposed to happen increasingly more and more and more. And I love where it starts. I will pour my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters. And then it goes into young people. So let me just, this is my interpretation. There's some young people in the room but he's not, he didn't say your young sons and daughters. So for me, I interpret as your kids, yeah. your babies, your five-year-olds, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. I, I love Bethel. Bill Johnson says this, and I think it's a great word, right? There is no junior Holy Spirit. They don't get a smaller measure of Holy Spirit because they're smaller in size or because they're not mature enough so they get like a smaller dose of the Holy Spirit. No, they get the same full measure of the Holy Spirit. And I praise God. I've told you how many times I've prayed over my four kids since the day they were born. I can picture them in the crib and I can picture me praying over their crib that they outdo me in every way, that every gift God has given me, man, they get a double portion. If I bring 1,000 people to Christ, man, they're going to bring 2,000 to Christ. No matter what I do, I'm just saying, God, I want to invest in these kids that they outdo me in every way. And it's so fun. I just shared with you, I had a dream last week. Can I tell you? It says, old men dream dreams. I didn't have dreams. I didn't have God dreams that I at least recognized until I was a pastor. It's about 10 years ago. It was the first God dream I ever had. And then my kids, when they were two years old, are telling me, 
I woke up and I saw this and I said, my daddy's going to wreck you. I'm like, that's God. He's going to wreck you. It means he's going to pull, you're going to fall down on the slain in the spirit and the power of God. You know, I, I saw daddy, I saw people on fire at church and that's kind of scary. Huh? I'm like, no, that's the Pentecost. That's good. Like my kids at small ages, they didn't even understand. They never read Acts, but the Holy Spirit is on my kids. And they're having dreams. They're having visions. They're prophesying. I'm telling you, I, I have to contain myself because I have so much joy, so much expectancy, so much that I see. All right, really quick, just one, because I can't go there too far. Even my son, Benjamin, that I hope he's watching online right now. He's at home. I see my son out preaching me from this very pulpit. I see times of ministry at the end where there's nine-year-olds giving better prophetic words than the senior pastor. I'm telling you, I see sons and daughters, kids doing things I never did as a kid. And I'm not jealous. It's like, oh, praise God. This is what I've been praying for. This is what Joel prophesied. It's what Peter prophesied. It's what I'm declaring here today. There are kids in this room that are going to prophesy. As a young person growing up in the youth group in this church, I had visions. It says your young men will have visions. I had visions of traveling to other nations. Amen. I went to Bible college thinking I'd be a missionary. And all of a sudden, I'm a lead pastor. W, right? These visions, they're meant to happen. There's young people in this room, you're to have visions. So I, I think of Joshua and Caleb. They were the youngest of the 12 spies that went into the, the promised land. The 10 older spies, the older, more educated and more learned and, and experienced spies, they came back and they said, forget that. There's giants in the land. We can't do it. But these young men had vision. They saw a land filled with giants of enemies. And they said, man, that is impossible. That must be God. Oh, it's going to be so good. I belong there. Where the enemy has territory, that means it's going to be good to see God defeat them in a powerful way. These young men had vision. They had vision. We need people to have vision in this church, to have fresh ideas, to say, man, you old people, you're stuffy. You need to have better vision. We need to have these two young men out speaking the 10 older ones. I'm telling you, I said it from the day I became the, literally the day I became the pastor of the church, I stood right here in front of everybody and I said, I'm investing from the nursery to the young adults. I, I got an amen from about half the church because more than half of you are older than me. But I love that it says old men will dream dreams. Can I say, I, I kind of feel like I qualify for both as young and old. I got gray hair, right? I prophesied the first weeks and months I was a pastor. I preached for the whole first, he said it, it's the year of Jubilee. I don't know if you remember, that was the first prophetic word, the first yeah. word I gave over a year. Yeah. I said, it's the year of Jubilee. Yeah. And it was in some aspects. But for 10 years, I'm going to say I'm not waiting 40 years. It's been 10 years. And a little bit like Joshua and Caleb, we've not fully entered our promised land. We've tasted. 
We've gotten appetizers. But we are not dwelling in a land that flows with milk and honey. And I'm saying, I see it. I still have vision for it. I'm young enough to still have vision, but I'm going to say I'm old enough to be a Caleb to say I've, my dreams have not died. I am persevering. The dreams I have, I've persevered. I've not allowed my heart to grow weary. I've been crushed. I've been persecuted. I've been all kinds of things, but I'm saying, man, but I've not been defeated. I still have hope. I told you a couple of years being a pastor, God gave me a new name and he told me directly, my name is champion of hope. I have never lost hope of the visions God gave me or the dreams I have for the future. In moments, I've had emotions and thoughts come in that try to struggle and challenge that, but I'm telling you, I'm giving you a testimony. I've never lost hope because I know who God created me to be a champion of hope and that I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because that's my DNA as the head of this church. And I'm saying because you're in this church, it's in you and it's on you. You are champions of hope. I know I'm a pastor behind this pulpit, but you are preachers as you go. You are anointed everywhere you go to bring the kingdom of God. So I told you that Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus says, as you go, preach. But he says 20 verses later, verse 27, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, what I whisper to you in private, preach in public. That's a word for all y'all, but that's a word for some of you specifically. God has been whispering things to you. God has been depositing things in your devotions, times where you've been getting prophetic words. And I'm not saying you're wrong for not preaching it, but you've been receiving these things. He's been, he's been gifting you. He's been pouring into you. And you're in a season where God is saying, it's time to start going onto the rooftops and shouting publicly what God has been whispering to you in private. God wants to commission. I felt like this morning, I got to end this. I felt like this morning is kind of like a commissioning service. I just got to marry some people and they stepped into covenants. You just took communion and that was reminding you of a covenant that God made with you and that you made with him. And I feel like today it's kind of a commissioning. I'm challenging you. I'm, I'm being a, a coach. I'm like rallying the, the team. Like, come on, we got this, right? But the idea is that are you willing to accept the challenge? Are you willing to receive the commission on your life? to go and re-preach what God is whispering to you. Those small things. Can I tell you that Pastor Raymond and Abby, as they're up here, God was whispering things to them. But they were bold enough to say, in a church I've never been to before in my life, I'm going to boldly preach the things God's whispering to me. They were living examples of what God is calling you to do. To go into places where you don't feel at home, where you don't feel like you're qualified. And God is saying, yeah, but I whispered it to you. And you are to preach as you go. You are to re-preach. You are to find this is that. Is that making sense? Hmm. So if, I, I don't want to force you to make everyone stand up, but if you're sensing that you want to respond to that call, that you're saying, God, I don't want to sit on the sidelines as I say all the time, I don't want just my ticket to heaven. I want skin in the game. I want to, I when I get to heaven, I want to say, oh man, 
look what I was a part of. Look what God did. Can I, really quick, it's just kind of a dad bragging moment, but I feel like there's a connection in it. And sometimes some of you have told me that you enjoy the personal stories. It was so good, I didn't even get to see it, but I've heard it and I've, I've visioned it over my mind several times. That my son Joshua, who's a freshman, got to play in a playoff varsity lacrosse game yesterday. And he got to score a goal in the lacrosse game. His older brother didn't score. He scored. And, I, and when Jen told me that, I'm like, oh, the first thing that came out of my mouth, he's going to remember that for, every, for the rest of his life. That's a moment he's going to remember for the rest of his life. Man, I, as a freshman, I got and I scored. All these other seniors were shooting and they couldn't score, but I did. There's something about that proud moment, right, as a dad, but as a child that got skin in the game. I'm telling you, God is calling you off the sidelines to play in the game. And it's not, it's not because, I'm telling you, there's other seniors, there's other people that, that probably should have had his position, but God called them for such a time as this. God is calling you in your unqualified state to say, are you willing just to step into the game, to give it a try, to take risk? And watch how the Holy Spirit gives you the words to say. All right, one last, one last testimony. It's about five days ago, I was invited to a Bible study and they asked me, they knew I was a pastor and they said, can you just come? We're gonna ask you questions. And so I was under the impression it was gonna be like, my, I was gonna give my testimony and share what's going on in my church. And I get there and they start asking, well, are you pre-trib or post-trib? I was like, oh, oh, okay. Well, okay, and I'll explain some of that. Well, what about predestination? I'm like, oh, okay, that's an easy one. All right, um, what about angels? Do we all have guardian angels? I mean, they started asking all these heavy, I'm like, so I, was, I, I was like, man, I feel like I'm under fire. And so finally I had to say, you know what? Can I just tell you, I'm not here to prove I'm right or that anybody else is wrong. I'm really not good at that. As a pastor, I'm not called, I, I, my gift set is not to argue and make and convince you that I'm right and whatever you're thinking is wrong, I'm really bad at that. But here's what I'm good at is, I'm so in love with Jesus. And I, I know him. It's like, I know him. And I can just share with you my relationship. So in my relationship, this is how I view that subject. Take it as you want. Can I share with you? God will use you where you're at. You don't have to be qualified. You don't have to have all the right answers. He's not waiting for you to figure it out. I said this probably twice in my 10 years of being here, but it needs to be said more often. I think the greatest ability in the kingdom of God is availability. I just avail myself to you, God. If you want me to preach, my mouth is yours. If you want me to go there, my feet are yours. If you want me to touch that person, my hands are yours. If you want me to love someone, these arms are yours. God, I just make myself available to you. And if you want to join me in that commission, not to stand behind a pulpit and be in a platform position, but just to everywhere you go, you're ready to preach. You're ready to be used by God to bring the kingdom and just point people, look how good God is. If that's you, would you stand so I can just pray over you a commissioning? Hmm. 
God, I thank you for what you're doing here today. God, you're not a God who likes to stay on the routine and the rut and do the same old, same old. God, you love to bring a fresh new thing. And God, I thank you for everyone in this room, Lord God. Some of us have known you for decades, but it's time we step into a new season. And God, I say yes, this is that. Prophetic words that were given today, God, I say yes and amen to them. God, I say that yes, what you did in my life 10 years ago, where you drew me out, where a little bit like I was Saul hiding among the luggage, you drew me out. And some people in this room like me for years had a calling and yet had to wait. Had to submit, had to honor. God, I thank you that this is a season, this is a moment where you are crowning people where you're upgrading people, where you are gifting people, where you are anointing people. God, that as I have prayed over myself, it's in my office, Isaiah 61. Pastor Raymond had no idea, but he prayed that over me in the prayer chapel. God, I believe as he said, it's not just for Jesus. It's not just for Isaiah. I'm saying this is that. Everyone that is standing right now, God, you are declaring that the spirit of the Lord God is upon them that you have anointed them to preach. You've anointed them to preach the good news of the gospel to the brokenhearted. You've anointed them to heal the broken. You've anointed them to proclaim liberty to the captives. You've anointed them to declare the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God. God, you have anointed them to put on garments of praise for a spirit of heaviness. That was spoken from Isaiah 66. God, I declare it again. What was sown in tears today will be start a new season of reaping in joy. God, we choose to rejoice. We choose to go from here excited in the calling you've given us. We are not afraid. We are not timid. We have the Spirit of God who has been poured out on us. And like Peter, we will boldly preach what you are whispering in our ears. The kingdom of heaven will be forcefully advanced in my life. I will take back enemy ground. The gates of hell will not prevail. God, you are building your church and I get to play a role. What a joy it is to be used by you, God. So God, I, you see these that are standing. Holy Spirit, would you empower them? Would you equip them? Would you encourage them? Would you remind them? Would you guide them in all truth? Be that paraclete that comes alongside and is our helper. God, we commit in this commissioning service, we commit to listen to you. We commit to make ourselves available to you, God. Our, our lives belong to you. Whatever you want, our answer is yes. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Would you stay here and just sing? I know we're over, but we're gonna sing one last worship song. And 
And if you just need prayer over anything, we'll have some leadership up here. And if you've got kids, you can go and need to get that. But we're going to sing one last worship song and ministry and prayers available. Does that make sense? Lord bless you guys. A thousand generations.